Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, everybody. So, in Mark Rosewater's recent design article on the design of Ikoria, Layer of Behemoths, he talked a bit about how players had been asking for keyword tribal for quite a long time, but it wasn't really feasible in most magic sets. He said that in most magic sets, the density of any particular keyword other than flying isn't really high enough to do a tribal element around it to like really reward players for committing to cards of that tribe because there just aren't enough cards of that tribe or aren't enough cards of that keyword. Ikoria was unique in that it had a lot of keyword counters being placed. So even if most of the creatures naturally didn't have a particular keyword, you could build them into that you could build them into a creature of the right type by placing a keyword on them or mutating them with a creature that does have the keyword. So there was a lot of ways to make it so that, you know, you could have a bunch of menace creatures or a bunch of vigilance creatures. That's normally pretty difficult to make happen in magic. And as a result, we got some really interesting keyword tribal cards in the set. So I was thinking, uh, there's a lot of opportunities in Commander to build around these keywords. There's so many creatures have been printed over the years with each keyword. There's a lot of high power members of most keywords. So it's pretty easy to find enough cards to fill out a deck. And what's missing for these, these decks is just a Commander that rewards them appropriately. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about these opportunities for opening up new archetypes in Commander that are built around the evergreen keywords that we see in most sets. So for some of them, they do have existing commanders that reward you for committing to that type, but for most they don't. And so we'll, we'll be exploring like what a commander that rewards a particular keyword would need in order to, to make it work. All right, but before we jump into today's topic, I wanna to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commandertheory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Okay, with that, let's get into the keywords. So we're, we're going to start with Defender. And this is one where we're not going to spend too much time on because it already has a really adequate commander in the form of Arcades the Strategist. Yeah, Arcades pretty much did everything... Uh, that Defender needed to do, but do you want to read off Arcades? Yes. Uh, so Arcades is one green, white, blue, so four mana for a 3-5 legendary Elder Dragon. He has flying and vigilance, and whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So Defender is a drawback mechanic, Arcades uh, gets rid of that drawback, and creatures with Defender, because they are primarily used for blocking, tend to have higher toughness than power. So he also sort of gives them a boost to their damage output by switching it around. And then finally, he gives you um, a reward for committing a bunch of cards to the board. So even if you get Wrathed away, you're still going to likely have a full hand of cards. So I think he's a pretty adequate commander for a Defender, and I don't think there's no need for another commander in this vein what do you think yeah it's gonna be like another 20 years before like they can or should print something else that is similar to arcades in any way shape or form 
it, it's also worth noting that his color identity tends to line up with a lot of the best options for um, for defenders. Mm-hmm. D- defenders tend to be among these white, blue, or green. So it's a pretty good match in that respect as well. Yeah, I think the one thing that I really don't think we need soon is I think Paramicon kind of like was the steam valve on this, but people want to be able to play with their red defenders because there's defenders in every color, but not that many in uh, red and black. But I think that would be the thing. Like if in 12 years we get a defender commander with red in the com- like the color identity, I think I would be fine with that. But it really, I don't want them to waste the space on it right now. Yeah. I think it's almost entirely like event sentinel that yes. is yes. pushing people towards wanting to play with red. Because aside from that, there just aren't that many great options. Yeah, no, it's totally true. And I think that Vent Sentinel has kind of, it is one of those cards that's like in a color it normally wouldn't be. Like Vent Sentinel does something that's very red, but Defender Tribal is not a very red thing. Um, and so now you just kind of have this sore thumb sticking out mm-hmm. <laughs> and everyone kind of points to it and goes, but I want to play with that. And uh, you, I'm so sorry, but one day maybe, I don't know, Pramicon exists. All right, uh, next we're going to move on to Death Touch. So Death Touch doesn't currently have a commander that rewards it, um, but there are a lot of powerful cards with Death Touch, and we'll, we'll list them, we'll list some of the, the heavy hitters here, some of the most important cards. Yeah. Um, Things like Sidisi Undead Vizier, Gaunti Lord of Luxury, Skullwinder, Oren Frostfang. Um, you may have noticed that most of the cards I mentioned... Oh, uh, Acidic Slime, Grave Titan. Mm-hmm. A lot of the most important cards are concentrated in black and green, which makes sense. Those are the two colors of Death Touch. And then in terms of rewards, currently there's only a handful. There's Vraska Swarm's Eminence from... Uh, War of the Spark. Vraska Swarm's Eminence is a four mana planeswalker. <laughs> Two hybrid black green, hybrid black green, so four mana for a five loyalty planeswalker. Whenever a creature you control with Death Touch deals damage to a player or planeswalker, put a plus and plus one counter on that creature. And she has minus two, create a 1 1 black assassin creature token with Death Touch. And whenever this creature deals damage to a planeswalker, destroy that planeswalker. Aside from that, the main rewards for committing to Death Touch are things that grant the ability to ping. Yeah. So Viridian Longbow is one of the major ones. Thornbite Staff is the other. Both of these are just equipment that you slam them on a creature and grant them the ability to ping stuff. And Thornbite Staff is even better because it also will untap the creature whenever it, uh, whenever a creature dies. So you can pay two mana to activate it, ping something, untap your guy and then continue to machine gun down your opponent's creatures. So I think one of the notable things about Death Touch is that uh, like the pinging is, I think, the best thing you can do with it right now. Um, and we're going to talk about this when we get into Trample too. but also giving your guys Trample just makes combat just a nightmare. Uh, combat's kind of already a nightmare because you, you more or less are going to get a card off of your opponents when you attack with a Death Toucher. Like, they're either going to just keep taking the damage, and that's one of the reasons that Vraska Swarm's Eminence's trigger is so good, is that eventually they're going to have to block your big guy, or they 
throw usually an actual card like an actual creature in front of it and to stop you from from hitting them so like death touch makes combat a nightmare and right now other than vraska there's not really a reward for that either which is which is kind of sad with that being said um this is the part where wizards employees shouldn't listen do what what do you think would be like a pretty good reward for just a death touch commander so i i think you are on the nose i I think that um giving your creatures with death touch trample makes it so that most of the damage is going to spill over onto their onto your opponents so it's almost like uh so it, it just makes any other pump effects you have way more effective because almost any damage you add on top of the the creature's base power is going to directly hit their your opponents even if they get blocked. So yeah. I really I really like that ability. Uh, I I think that makes a lot of sense. And then of course, as you mentioned, like potentially granting the ability to ping uh, mm-hmm. would also make sense for this keyword. Yeah. So this is uh, where we turn it over to you viewers or you listeners. Uh, we're interested in seeing any designs you have for a for keyword commanders that reward these specific abilities. So go ahead and send us your ideas for how to make a death touch commander. You can send it to us at commandertheory at gmail.com. You can send it to us in a DM on Twitter at commandertheory, or you can send us a private message on Tumblr. But Please let us know if you have any cool ideas for how to build around Death Touch and how to reward players for committing to creatures with Death Touch. I really like Death Touch as an ability, but um, they've been very careful with it, I should say. <laughs> so um, a lot of the cards with Death Touch are very fair, or they kind of like slap it on it because it doesn't really matter if your Grave Titan has Death Touch, if it's a 6-6. Six, six. So it's a way to make things look spicy and I appreciate that, but uh, I would like, yeah, it would be really cool to see what some of you design, like when you really like stretch those those creative muscles. So there currently isn't a great commander that uh, rewards that rewards double strike in the double strike colors. Yes. So, for example, there are a lot of legends that. Uh, there are a lot of legends that will give you reward when you deal combat damage to things. For example, like Edric, Spy Master of Trest, Sashiro the Anointed, um, Kazar, Ruthless Stalker, Sakiko, Mother of Summer, um, Derevi, Imperial Tactician, and Grenzo Havoc Razor. Most of those aren't in the primary colors for uh, Double Strike, and they are definitely aren't in both of the primary colors for Double Strike. So if you take a look at the the most played and and best creatures with double strike, um, they're really just concentrated in white and red. Not mm-hmm. only are there some extremely powerful ones like God Eternal Oketra, which is oh, a lot of text. I, I got it. It's okay. it's three white white for a three six legendary zombie god. It has double strike. Whenever you cast a creature spell, create a four four black zombie warrior creature token with vigilance. And whenever God Eternal Oketra dies or is put into exile from the battlefield, you may put it into its owner's library third from the top. So she's a he- heavy hitter that bruises a lot of value, and she happens to have a double strike. There's also uh, Zatalpa, just an enormous beater that happens to have double strike. Same with Atarka Worldrender. But beyond that, most of the 
the cards that are seeing a lot of play with Double Strike are just kind of cheap dudes that have the ability because Double Strike is a really powerful ability and it's a shame that we don't currently have anything in white and red that really rewards you for committing to it. Aside Mm -hmm. from, say, um, like red-white combat commanders that like pump or give you extra combat steps, those are some options. So so Jorkadine, the Prevailer, for example, Mm -hmm. if you meet his metal craft condition, he gives all your guys plus three plus oh. So if you have a lot of double strikers, that's one of the best ways to make use of that bonus. Also, Aurelia, the war leader, she gives you additional combat steps. So your double strikers can hit even can hit four times essentially in the course of one turn. So those are potential options. Um, they are definitely more of like the red white aggro-y sort of commanders. There may be some additional design space for a double strike commander. I think that what's unique about double strike and what would really push people to commit to this archetype would be is the fact that double strike hits multiple times so if you have a combat damage trigger then that would be a great way to make use of your double strike creatures and really encourage people to commit to cards with that ability Mm mm-hmm one of the cooler things about double strike is that it gets people really excited the numbers just add up really quickly because you're doing it twice so i think one of the things that a double strike like commander would need to do is not kill someone faster than your cool cards are gonna do i think that's something that's really important Mm. for like a double strike commander because you kind of will end up with like the gishath problem where like why don't i just attack you with gishath and win like, why am I trying to get all these dinosaurs if my guy is, like, very large and hits you very hard? So I think, like, the most fun path for a double strike commander is going to be, like, letting your guys with double strike shine and, like, really playing into that pattern. That's a really good point. Yeah, one of the issues with Jorkadine is that by himself, he'll have eight power if you meet his metalcraft condition. So it's almost more worth your while to just focus on like pumping him up a little bit more and giving him double strike than to try to go wide necessarily there's definitely like a competing um a competition between those two archetypes going wide and going tall just with jorkadine i think they know double strike is exciting so i'm pretty sure we're gonna see something to do with it at some point in time So uh, the next mechanic we're going to be talking about is First Strike. So First Strike, uh, you all know what it does. What's interesting is that First Strike Strike already has a commander that explicitly rewards you for committing to the type. So Quende Pride Ephemeref is three and a white for a 2-2 double striker. Other creatures you control with First Strike have double strike. So if you commit to a bunch of creatures with first strike, then they all get to hit twice or they all deal double damage. So that's a pretty powerful ability. And the only criticism I have for it, the only opportunity to expand beyond that, I think, is the fact that there's a lot of strong red creatures with first strike. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's also some strong black ones too. So you're by committing to mono white you're missing out on things like Gisela, blade of gold knight gerard weatherlight hero uh combustible gear hulk mm-hmm. dire fleet daredevil fiendish duo 
there's a lot of strong cards that unfortunately don't fit into a Quende deck. Yeah, I think Quende was like very, very close to being like a really, really good commander. I think we would have seen more Quende decks if Quende was like red, white or like white, black or something like that. So there's an opportunity there, but there is also an option if you already want to do this and, and commit to that keyword. All right, moving on. Uh, the next mechanic we're going to be talking about is Flash. Yeah, and there's there's actually, I think there's a lot to talk about just because of recent events in design philosophy. Yeah, so although that might make it a challenge too. So historically, Flash has been blue and green with like a tiny bit of white, and then other colors are able to access it if it makes sense for the design. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. recently, Wizards changed what uh, what colors are supposed to be primary in Flash. So now Flash is primary blue and black, which is kind of an issue because like the the powerful Flash enablers that we just got in Ikoria Lair of Behemoths are unfortunately both blue and black, but there's not really a lot of black creatures with Flash that you can use with them. Like the the change is so recent that they haven't had enough time to build up a lot of powerful black flash creatures. I think it's going to be one of the things that it, it's really just going to take time. And that's like, you want to play with the toys now, but we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So some of the, the strong members currently, uh, Venser, Shaper Savant, allows you to bounce stuff. Jin Gataxius Core Auger, extremely powerful, uh, makes your opponents discard their hands at their cleanup step and you get to draw seven cards on each of your turns. And then there's cheaper, trickier things like Vendillion Click, Snapcaster Mage. There's a couple powerful ones in blue-green with such as Mystic Snake, Frilled Mystic, um, Ice Fang Quaddle, and there's also some good mono-green options like Caller of the Claw and Vile Redeemer that are intended to help you rebuild after a board wipe. Mm-hmm. But I'd say the majority of the power is concentrated in blue. Yeah, I, I think so too. Just that blue has so many good flash creatures and flash rewards. Oh yeah, let's let's move on to those rewards. What are some of the, the rewards for playing with flash creatures? I think honestly the they're all fairly recent and I think it is because of that design philosophy change where they're like, Oh, we should probably make this a thing we can build around now. So mm-hmm. in the most recent Theros Beyond Death, um, oh, I guess the most recent Theros, Theros Beyond Death, there were three cards that rewarded playing things on your opponent's turns. Um, there was Wavebreak Hippocamp, which lets you draw a card, Stinging Lionfish, which lets you untap a permanent, and Naiad of Hidden Coves, which makes them cheaper. And those are all pretty good. Like, if everything in your deck has flash, if everything in your deck kind of lets you, like, play at instant speed like that, like, you're going to get a decent amount of value up off of each of these cards. Like, untapping a Gilded Lotus with your Stinging Lionfish, like, every turn and drawing a card every turn, like, that's pretty big game. So I, I was pretty into this this kind of theme that they've been doing for the last few sets in some form like maybe it's like draw two cards on someone else's turn which usually requires instance and stuff like that so i'm hoping we see a lot more stuff like this um but they also have two new things in akoria do you want to talk about those guys 
Yeah, so both of these are, are pretty powerful. One is Cunning Nightbonder. It's two mana, so it's hybrid blue-black, hybrid blue-black, so two mana for a 2-2 two, two human rogue. She has flash, and spells with flash you cast cost one less to cast and can't be countered. So that's a, a strong bonus reminiscent of the Naiad of Hidden Coves. And then the other one is Slither Wisp. So Slither Wisp is three mana, blue, black, black, for a 3-2 elemental nightmare. It has flash, and whenever you cast another spell that has flash, you draw a card and each opponent loses one life. Both of these are, are pretty similar to the rewards we saw in Theros. The main difference is that they both have black in their color identity. So let's, let's talk a bit about what a flash commander would need. Based on current design philosophy, it's, I think it's fair to say that it should definitely have blue and should likely also have black just because of where things are going in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this, this is a deck that wants the potential for growth. I think, um, I don't, what are some of the, the ways you think that you could build around flash? You could reward people for, for playing flash creatures. Um, I mean, triggers are the simplest answer, uh, but I also think that's kind of like the <laughs> the cutest answer. Like, Waybreak Hippocamp uh, is a great card because it just does the thing that pretty much every commander has done lately, which is just do a thing, draw a card. Mm -hmm. But I think there's other ways to get card advantage, and one of the powerful things about Flash is that you can do it whenever. So... I really think rewarding creatures entering the battlefield or permanents entering the battlefield somehow is a really good way to go about that. Um, like or specifically not on your turn. I think uh, having rewards for uh, when something happens. So like, let's say whenever a creature is blocked blank or something like that, uh, or whenever you block with a creature blank, that, that's kind of a sneaky way of going like, Oh, well I look open, but, uh, all of a sudden, here's a bunch of blockers or something like that. Like, Flash as a combat trick is a really good uh, sneaky way to get card advantage. Um, yeah, I, I, I like yeah. that a lot. I think that, um, I mean, one of the things that make Flash unique, that makes Flash unique as a mechanic is that it's a surprise. So maybe building into that somehow, if you could do something to really, like, make your opponents think you always have it, they're going to be really reluctant to attack you. Uh, I was there's actually a line of text that uh, I've really hated when it's been printed on commanders to date because it tends to be like the only ability and it doesn't always like make for an interesting commander in the colors that it's been printed in but it's your opponents can't cast spells during combat so that was used on Basera B something like Basandra. that Basandra so do you want me to read off Bassandra? Uh, I, I got, got it. it. Um, so it was printed on one of the commanders in the original commander precons, Bassandra Battle Seraph. Three red-white for a 4-4 legendary creature angel. She has flying. Players can't cast spells during combat, and you, she can pay red to make it so that target creature attacks this turn if able. Additionally, in the uh, C-19 precons, there was Marisi, Breaker of the Coil, one red, green, white, legendary creature, cat warrior. Your opponents can't cast spells during combat, and whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, 
goad each creature that player controls. So neither of these commanders have been very popular, and I think part of it is uh, that they're just not in great colors for it. As you mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, like Flash is primary blue. Like All the best Flash creatures, or most of the best Flash creatures, have blue in their color identity. So putting this ability on a blue commander would make it so that, especially like your opponents can't cast spells during combat, makes it so that if they attack you, then they have pretty much no control over what happens next, whereas your deck is full of creatures that you can cast at instant speed. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that would be a good ability for a Flash commander, but Flash is a pretty... Um, Flash is a pretty broad ability. Yeah, uh, I was going to say it's a very open mechanic. And honestly, I think one of the things I'm excited about with this new blue-black Flash thing is that there are so many angles you can take with it. So I, I'm expecting to see the easy ones first. They'll like cast something on an opponent's turn, blank. Um, but I really hope we do see some more interesting ones like this. Yeah, I'm I'm very interested to see what you listeners come up with. Please send us your designs for a flash rewarding commander. Um, I, I I'm sure there's some cool ideas out there that we haven't even thought of, and I'd love to see what your creativity brings us. Let's talk about flying. Um, currently, there's there's one semi reward in the command zone. The yeah. only commander. <laughs> The only commander to date that really rewards you for committing to flying is Asperia the Inscrutable, which is one white, white, blue, blue for a 3-6 legendary creature Sphinx. She has flying, and whenever she deals combat damage to a player, name a card. That player reveals his or her hand. If he or she reveals the named card, search your library for a creature card with flying, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. So... She definitely wants you to have at least a few flyers in your deck, but when you're tutoring things out, you don't actually need to have like a high density. You just really need a couple really good ones. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also unfortunate that like Asperia has this mini game where even if she deals combat damage to a player, you might not necessarily get it. And, and yeah, there's ways to to make it so that your hit rate is higher. You can run like telepathy or things that allow you to see your opponent's draws before they um before they're added to their hand like lantern of insight but i don't think this is do you think this is a good commander for flying matters no no i really don't think that asperia 1.0 gets the job done um i think that actually being a flying lord would would have served this better like we're going to talk about some cards that reward creatures with flying or like want you to play creatures with flying and literally any of them would have been a better legendary creature i think or uh would be a very good legendary creature like more so than asperia is as a flying commander Mm -hmm. all right uh well when it comes to notable flyers there's so many and they're pretty much scattered across every color um, with the exception of green. Uh, And and part of it is because there's most of the iconic creature types fly. So angels, demons, dragons, sphinxes, they all have like had a fair number of powerful members over the years and all of them fly. Um, Just because it's like one of the most popular mechanics 
it shows up all the time in most sets. Uh, there are a lot of cards with flying that you could fit into a commander deck and not feel bad about it. So I think that looking at the members isn't really going to give you enough definition to figure out what colors your commander should be. It's only when you look at the rewards that you really get an idea of where you ought to concentrate your um, your flying commander. Yes. Unlike most other evergreen keywords, there actually have been limited archetypes that focus on flying because it, it tends to show up at higher numbers than most other keywords. So over the years, we've gotten a fair number of, of solid rewards. They're things like Wind, wind Reader Sphinx, whenever a creature you control with flying attacks, draw a card, Gravitational Shift, Creatures with flying get plus two plus O. Creatures creatures without flying get minus two minus O. And then a lot of like bonuses to power and toughness, like Empyrean Eagle yeah. or Sprite Noble, Thunderclap Rovern. So fair number of rewards we've gotten over the years. What stuck out to you in terms of the color identity of these rewards? Uh really, honestly, mostly blue, a little bit white. White does give you a lot of Good flyers, token production, stuff like that. Specifically flying token production, which would be good in a lot of these lists, being that a lot of the rewards are buffs to your creature and creature sizes. Uh, That always goes a lot further when you are playing maybe a migratory route and you're getting four birds for six mana. If all of a sudden you have a gravitational shift and your six mana turns into like 12 damage, that's a lot better return on that investment. So I, I would say that white-blue is probably the place I would stick a flying tribal kind of design on a commander. So I think Asperia had that going for her. She had that correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like building around flying, because flying is an evasive mechanic, because your flyers are more likely to get in than other creatures, I think that a combat damage trigger would make a lot of sense. Um, in this way... You could argue that Derevi Imperial Tactician is like an unofficial flying commander mm-hmm, because yeah. he, he definitely wants you to have a lot of evasive creatures and that naturally is going to make you more likely to run flyers. And, and so it's not a huge jump from there. Is it a Leela? Yes. I think that's going to be the only like clapback we get to this because she specifically says flyers get plus one plus oh. Um, Hmm. I think the really big thing to note about her being like a flying commander is that like, she's not that that's a very bad reward. (laughs) Like (laughs) her reward is that when you cast these artifacts and enchantments, you get flyers and those flyers happen to be two ones. Not so much. You want to play a bunch of flyers so that they get one more power. So I think that's something to note here also is that like there is a commander that does call out flying more so than Asperia does, but it's really, I would, I would really not call her a flying Lord. <laughs> in, in yeah, way. no, she's the, the power of the buff to flyers is a lot lower than the power of creating creatures. Yes. So I think that that deck definitely pushes you towards running artifacts and enchantments rather than, than, flying creatures although there there are a handful of cards that uh fit into both buckets Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely true moving on to the next evergreen keyword let's talk about haste uh okay i'm gonna get into it haste has a lot of legends that grant it and honestly i hope they just keep 
printing legends that grant haste like that we should just keep getting legends that grant haste especially in red it just it it's not typically worth a whole card to do it even though i will spend a whole card to do it because that's what we get sometimes and it just makes it so your aggro strategy totally works there there's also just a ton like i said a ton of these commanders that grant haste should i name them should we just keep talking yeah, about go, it go ahead and uh, list off some of the most notable ones yeah so i mean memorable ones xenagos god of revels uh, grants haste maelstrom wanderer grants haste samet voice of descent grants haste garna the blood flame brudiclad telcor engineer to your tokens oh boy surak the hunt caller chainer nightmare adept gives your reanimated creatures haste Kenrith the Returned King has an ability that gives creatures haste. Olivia Mobilize for War grants them haste if you do a little extra discard thing. Dragonlord Colgon, Lavisa Cold Eyes. There's so many, so many of them. That There's more. I, I'm not going to read all of them off, but you would think that there'd be more rewards, but they kind of just make it a reward itself, and I think that's kind of a shame. Yeah, I mean, haste is a very powerful ability, it, it is in some ways its own reward because you're just much faster than everyone else. But yeah, currently there isn't a commander that rewards you for committing to creatures with haste. Um, l- let's talk a little bit about the notable members that, that naturally have haste. The creatures that you're going to be happy to run in your deck won't really handicap you. These are primarily red. There's Kikijiki, Zealous Conscripts, uh, Molten Primordial, Tyrant's Familiar, there's a lot of creatures that generate tokens that have haste, such as Legion Warboss, Goblin Rabblemaster, Loyal Apprentice. There's uh, Cavalier Flames, Glorybringer, Glinthorn Buccaneer are all solid red creatures that happen to have haste. And then there's a, a small subcategory of cards, these mono-green game-ender type cards like yes. Crater Hoof, uh, Endray's Forerunners, and um, Decimator of the Provinces. These are all things that have haste because they are intended to be the last spell you cast. They buff all your other guys, often give them trample, and you just kill your opponents. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if those necessarily need to fit into a haste deck. You don't really need an additional reward for Crater Hoof. Yeah, it is kind of the, the end. So there's a lot of solid members, but in terms of rewards, there's almost nothing the only card that really stuck out to me as explicitly rewards you for committing to haste is path of metal which is red and a white for a legendary enchantment when it enters the battlefield it deals one damage to each creature that doesn't have first strike double strike vigilance or haste and whenever you attack with at least two creatures that have first strike double strike vigilance and or haste you can transform it and on the other side is Metzali, Tower of Triumph, which is a legendary land that taps for a mana of any color, and you can pay one in a red and tap it to deal two damage to each opponent, or you can pay two in a white and tap it to destroy a creature at random that attacked this turn. Yes, yes. Uh, you're going to be quizzed on this later, so if you're listening. Um, yeah, a lot of text on that card. So Haste has a lot of natural advantages in Commander. We talk about this on the f- on the show a fair bit. Because board wipes are so prevalent, because creatures tend to die really easily, being able to get something down, immediately uh, get some value off of it, get some damage in and surprise your opponents 
is before they're able to to remove it with mass removal is a really big advantage. So, but if you wanted to to go on top of that and really reward uh, committing to haste creatures, what kinds of abilities would make the most sense? Honestly, I think uh, they got something really right with Ginger Brute. I think um, Ginger Brute, like requiring uh ginger brute was a one one for one generic uh and it had haste and it had this activated ability you could pay one and it could only be blocked by creatures with haste so uh the idea being if you weren't fast enough to catch the gingerbread man you could not um i think stuff like that is a great idea to make haste matter past the first turn haste is a keyword where it's very impactful the turn you play it and then kind of doesn't matter the turn any turn afterwards so i think making it matter like that is one of the keys to making a good commander with like a uh, haste tribal so kind of urge people to focus on that like think about cool designs uh things that hasty creatures would want to do or like what fast creatures want to do um when they've just already been on the board for a little while um do you want to get into something or some things you could do with it no, no, I, I think um, I, I like that ginger root idea, and I'm really curious to see what people come up with. I don't think I have any great ideas for how to really capitalize on haste, but I'm excited to see what the custom card folks are going to do with, with this idea. Yeah, exactly. Now we got everyone's favorite mechanic, Hexproof. <laughs> um <laughs> oh yeah, the next two are both real fan favorites. Yeah, uh, fan favorites. Okay, so Hexproof, um, there has historically been sort of blue and green um, with a little bit of white. I'm going to briefly run through some of the, the most powerful and popular Hexproof cards. So there's Dragonlord Ojutai, uh, Narset Enlightened Master, Sylvan Caryatid, which is one in a green for a 0-3 Hexproof Defender and taps for a mana of any color. Paradise Druid, which is one in a green for a 2-1. It has Hexproof as long as it's untapped and taps for a mana of any color. Lumbering Falls is a land that enters the battlefield taps, tapped, taps for blue or green, and you can pay two blue-green to make it a 3-3 Hexproof until end of turn. There's also Kiora Best the Sea God, which I'm going to need to pull up because it's a lot of words. It is. It's a seven mana enchantment. It's a saga. Uh, the first chapter is create an eight eight hexproof. Uh, oh god, is it octopus? Kraken. Kraken or kraken. Yeah, uh, token creature token. The chapter two is tap all non land permanents your opponents control. They don't untap during their opponent's next untap step, and then. Uh, I can't remember what chapter three is. <laughs> uh, it's the best one. Gain control of target permanent and opponent controls. Untap it. Oh, yes. <laughs> so that's a, a very powerful card that happens to produce a hexproof creature as it goes through its motions. And then finally, there's Dream Trawler, which is two blue, blue, white, white for a three, five Sphinx. It has flying and lifelink. Whenever you draw a card, it gets plus one, plus O until end of turn. Whenever it attacks, you draw a card, and you can discard a card to give it hexproof until end of turn and tap it. Pretty solid options and pretty clearly concentrated in white, blue, and green. 
Yes. There's also a, a fair number of cards that, that don't necessarily see a lot of play in EDH, but could be powerful with the right commander. It, like just large hexproof dudes um, can get there if your opponent doesn't really have board wipes. That's kind of a classic limited strategy, but sometimes it works. Sometimes you just have an 8-8 hexproof and no one can do anything about it because they don't have a wrath in hand. And that's uh, that's sure is something. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, how would you go about building around hexproof? Because not everyone runs spot removal in their deck. Not everyone has a lot of like activated abilities that target your creatures. How would you make it so that uh, your your hexproof matters even when your opponent's deck doesn't care? I'm trying to think of how to say this in magic terms. Giving them something to do, like giving them abilities. I think this is going to come up again on another uh, another keyword we're going to talk about, uh, vigilance. I think making your hexproofers uh, matter means giving them something to do. And I think kind of the most clever way to do that is uh, symmetrical effects. Um, if you give your opponent, like, let's say you give your creature something to do, but you also give your opponents, uh, that same thing, but they can't target your stuff. Uh, that's hilarious. This is very similar to the play style of like Edric, uh, Spy Master of Trust, where he's a two, two for one blue green. And whenever a creature deals damage to an opponent, the creature's controller draws a card. That's everyone gets that, but they don't get the cards if they hit you. And that's a very similar space that I would think Hexproof could mine, where it's like, oh, no, 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 here's here's some fun things that the creatures can do. Uh, yeah, yeah, target, target away, here you go. Yeah, I, I was thinking about the card Shoving Match. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so Shoving Match is two and a blue for an instant. Until end of turn, all creatures gain tap, tap target creature. What this card like tends to play out as is two and a blue instant tap all creatures because it just sets off this chain reaction where like, okay, I, I tap your thing in response. I tap his thing. Then he taps my thing. And so it, it ends up with all creatures being tapped. So I was thinking like granting that ability as like a static effect on a commander would make it so that your opponents are constantly like tapping each other's things down. But if you're committing to hexproof, then your guys, they're not tapped down. They're able to to swing in without having to worry about blocks. When I started playing Commander, Red didn't have nearly as many good board wipe options other than like Earthquakes. Uh, so a card that I kind of forced into a lot of decks a lot of the time was this card called Brawl, uh, which is very similar. It's three red red instant until end of turn. All creatures gain tap. This creature deals damage equal to its power to target creature. Um, I just found I thought it was hilarious, but I also kept trying to find ways to get around that. Whether it was like just have creatures with bigger butts, or have untargetable guys, or guys with shroud, or lightning greaves on, or whatever it was, because most of the time people couldn't avoid the temptation of getting some value out of it. So even if they couldn't hit your thing, they would usually use it on an opponent's thing. And to me, that's great. To me, that's hilarious. Um, I think 
exactly like shoving match exactly like you said like that's a pretty fun and funny space like the the board kind of erupts in a really good way when you play cards like that yeah but i'm sure there's other ways to build around hexproof and i'm excited to see how the designers listening to this episode take it and run with it all right uh this is actually running longer than we expected so uh stay tuned for a part two But please, if you have any ideas for how to build around the mechanics we talked about today, let us know. And I think that after we get both episodes out there and give people some time to develop designs, I think we're going to have another episode after part two where we we talk about the best solutions for the problem of designing around keyword mechanics. But that's all the time we have for today. Uh, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley, Gustav, Ryan, Mark, Addison, Mason, Will, Rick, Laser, Raphael, Kyle, Charlotte, Andrew, Tom, The White Clays, Aubrey, Hannah, Anthony, Andy, Cooper, Dylan, James, Justin, Logan, Roger, David, Evan, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jason, Kyle, Jerry, and Brandon. Thank you all for supporting the show. It's because of you that we're able to keep the lights on here in the studio and uh, make fun, lots of great content for you all. If you are not currently a Patreon patron but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory thanks for listening if any of you theorists want to get in touch with us i am at commander theory on twitter and tumblr and zach is at fat bartleby on twitter our theme song is lincoln continental by entropy and you can check them out on soundcloud until next time we're going back to the drawing board